So, why Harvard? I'm milling about with Jenny Waldo. She is the writer and director of Acid Test. Hi, Jenny. Hi. Here's the background. See? Yeah, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jenny, this film has been a long time in the making. So, sort of give us an idea of when you started it. Well, it started back in 2015, and I had produced a short film uh, that went to the Cannes Short Film uh, Corner. And uh, so I I went to Cannes, which was amazing. It was my first time and uh, was just blown away by everything. And uh, it had been a while since I had directed anything. I had been kind of working on connecting with people in the Houston area. I was new to town, not you know from here. And I had moved from Los Angeles where I had been pursuing film and and I had had this you know terrible you know teenage <laughs> memory uh, or, or incident where I had dropped acid at a concert and gone home to my parents and told them that I was still tripping. I, you know, uh, acid is a fairly long acting drug. And uh, so I still had a few hours uh, with my parents and they proceeded to completely freak out uh, while I was still tripping. And so, yeah, yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. And I thought it would make an interesting short story. I had seen friends of mine over the years, take a short and turn it into a feature. Um, And so I really just wanted to, explore this and and try and get to the feature and I had had enough kind of antics uh, from my teenage years that I thought I could turn it into a feature. Let's back up a little bit. Um, So you're a teenager and you're at a concert now. What concert did you go to? Who gave you this acid? And (laughs) did you know? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I, I you know, had a troubled youth. Um, my uh, my parents, who are still in my life, uh, you know, we had a lot of conflicts. Um, my father is definitely a kind of dominating sort, and especially when I was younger, there was a lot more volatility uh, in in our lives. And uh, and he and I are very similar, so we butted heads ever since I was eleven years old. I would just we would fight all the time. And um, when I hit high school, I, I don't know, I just, I had really just wanted to kind of explore the world and, and friendships and, you know, have this kind of high school experience. And, and, you know, back in the nineties, I mean, drug use still exists. Um, So it's not anything new, but, uh, you know, certainly I fell into a crowd that was much more uh, familiar with drug use and um, and you know it it was an escape you know it was an escape from how I was feeling and and punk music which then led me to riot girl music was also an escape uh, from that these kind of big feelings and and again something that I'd been listening to through middle school um, you know I'd been you know friends of mine would give me mixtapes or you know bootleg versions of of things they were listening to and and I would just you know listen to it on a loop in 
my bedroom at night and uh, and just really, it, it kind of helped externalize these really kind of conflicted feelings that I was having um, and experiences that I was having in my life. And uh, so, you know, going to concerts was a fairly regular thing. I had been going to them. I was a little punk kid. I was in mosh pits and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and write, uh, writing, uh, writing names of things on your chest. Well, that was new. I mean, that's really what Riot Girl kind of brought, which, you know, punk is often seen as this very masculine thing. Um, and, you know, we've seen these portrayals of, you know, Sid Vicious uh, from the Sex Pistols and, you know, all of these kind of hardcore rockers and, uh, and, and the kind of self-destruction that they go through. And uh, there was something, again, really appealing in that for me. But what Riot Girl brought was kind of a feminine perspective to it, which was you know, I can still look like a girl and be punk, you know, which was definitely something that before Riot Girl came along, it was like, I would never be caught dead in a dress, you know, unless yeah. I had to go somewhere with my parents, you know, it just wasn't, um, you know, it just wasn't kind of the thing. And so this idea of kind of how to embrace a, a gender and a sexuality and, and, and all of those things, which I actually felt fairly confused and divorced from, you know, I, I was a tomboy as a little kid. I just never really felt like a girl. I didn't really like other girls. I had some girlfriends, some really close girlfriends that I'm still friends with, but the, it was kind of an anomaly. I just, half the time I was like, what are you doing? You guys are crazy. Like, and you know, I'd hear boys complaining about girls and I'm like, yeah, girls are, are nuts. You know, like <laughs> I don't like them either. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I found a lot of resonance and acceptance and exploration of all these things um, in the kind of punk scene. And so here you are, you're shooting your film and you're saving thousands of dollars on a drug consultant because <laughs> basically you could tell your actress, Juliana, exactly what it felt like. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, um, it, it was definitely a fun and an uh, interesting experience, especially on the short film. And the short was such a wonderful collective experience because everybody came out from the woodwork and was like, no, this is, you know, this is what happened to me or like, and it became this great collaboration, uh, you know, whether it was for visual effects, like how are we going to represent this in a way that is truthful and authentic without the budget that, you know, Hollywood has without uh, without making it cheesy and lame the way other films have been um, and uh, and then we could you know help direct you know Juliana um, the guy who played her dad in the short film Patrick Stain he was also hilarious and and regaling us with stories uh, of his own uh, troubled youth and so it just everybody kind of came to the table and that really set the stage for the feature film and what we could do with it. So Jenny, did your parents see the film and how did they feel about the actors who were kind of basically portraying them? <laughs> yeah, it's been an interesting conversation. My family is not very open, I would say. Um, and so they, they've seen the short film, they've been very supportive of the feature film. Um, 
but they've kind of kept their distance. And I actually don't know if they've seen the film. Uh, they've been traveling when we had festival uh, screenings. And so they haven't been able to see it when we uh, you know, showed it in theaters. And I've, I've sent them the link. We, you know, they ask about how the film is doing all the time. But I think it's one of those things where there's a bit of a don't ask, don't tell policy because it, it does touch on difficult times. I think part of that influenced the writing of it in the sense that I think some things are honestly a bit softer than they are in my memory or in my emotion because I still want to have a relationship with these people. Um, where, but at the same time, you know, there are still some difficult moments. There are some, you know, really personal moments in there that, uh, that, you know, could cause harm. And so I'm really conscious of that, you know? So. Yeah. Talk about the casting process, um, casting your parents, casting you essentially, casting the love interest. Tell yeah. me about that. Yeah, so it, I love the casting process as a director. And ever since I first started, uh, you know, being in film, every time, even as a student at USC, I would cast open because I, I love this collaboration process with actors. And so for me, even when I was casting myself, I knew that I wasn't casting myself because the character ultimately is a fiction. You know, I, I had to kind of craft a narrative. I had to, uh, you know, it's based on, on true events, but it is fictionalized and narrativized. And I- I like that word. I'm gonna yeah. use that. <laughs> narrativized. Yeah, so I, um, you know, when you're also, you have to communicate with somebody who isn't you, who grew up with different experiences in a different place and time. And, you know, the, there is no way, there's no way, uh, even if I had somebody that was kind of technically a carbon copy of me, uh, it still would have been a, a process of collaboration and kind of finding something that was authentic to me, but also felt authentic to my actor that they could kind of bring some truth to. And so I thought that casting the Jenny character would be the hardest one to cast, uh, especially because I was probably too close to it or, you know, you just never know like how you're going to react to doing that. So I cast very wide and open uh, for the Jenny character and got a lot of tapes. And um, and it's funny, as soon as I got Juliana's tape, I had emailed my producer and I was like, I've fallen in love with this girl. Like this- She's a like, find, she's a find. You know, and, um, and you just kind of immediately knew, I love watching her on screen. I want to watch her on screen. I wanna see what she does next. It is endlessly interesting. And the one that I actually had the most trouble with, which to a certain extent is no surprise, was casting the father who I have the most conflicted relationship with. So- And he's uh, wonderful, that actor. Yeah, yeah, so Brian came on for the feature um, and he was a recommendation from a, a fellow friend. And, um, and, you know, the father is such a complicated character because he, he is both the best friend and the villain, you know? And, and he has to be able to walk through both in a way that doesn't feel like, a crazy Jekyll and Hyde 
act, you know, and, and it can't feel artificial. It has to, it has to be truthful because that is a truth that I lived with and, and still live with to a certain extent. And, and I wanted to, and, and it's a truth that many people live with. And yet in a, in a less than two hour movie, you have to be able to navigate these extremes in a way that's going to feel, feel real. And so that was, that was difficult. Uh, and there were times where Brian uh, was, was kind of like, I don't really know what you want from me because especially for the tripping sequences, I wanted to have this very crazy, you know, hard cuts between various levels of a performance. And so it wasn't coming from some of those truthful places that normally actors draw from in their performances. And so we just had to trust each other. You know, he had to trust me that when I said, go along with it, you're in on the ride and you're, you're her spirit guide and making her laugh and laughing along with her, that, that I actually knew what I was talking about and that it would actually work out, you know, in the edit. And, um, and then for the mom, my, my mother is an immigrant. So that was an important aspect for me to uh, continue. But again, I was open to kind of any country of origin. But once we cast Juliana and she has a Latina background, you know, she's Latina, that it kind of opened up this, you know, element of, well, we have, especially in Houston, there are so many uh, people from Central and South America. And uh, I saw all of these wonderful actors come in uh, for the audition and Mia Ruiz came and, you know, had his family's from Mexico and just, it was one of those things where there were, again, so many elements that made sense and aligned and the way she was able to portray the character, you know, that I've written of my mother. I mean, my husband is constantly like, she just looks like your mother, like her mannerisms wow. and the way that she's behaving. Uh, you know, there's something that that translates between, you know, cultures and, you know, that makes us all human. And so I I just thought that there was enough there was enough there. And then we were able to kind of tailor it and kind of rework it or rewrite it to make sure it made sense. Well with Juliana and how she sort of um meshed with the actors, what kind of bonding exercises did you do? Because it was so real, like it was just a beautiful chemistry between the three of them. Oh, that's really great to hear. Uh, well, like many independent films, we were low on time. So <laughs> uh, that's the beauty of hiring actors who know what they're doing and do their homework. Uh, we did have some, Juliana's based in Los Angeles, whereas Brian and Mia are both here in Houston. And so we had to do Zoom meetings together. Um, so there really wasn't a lot of time other than the fact that Mia had been in the short film with Juliana. So they already had some groundwork there from spending time together. Uh, but Brian came in, you know, as, as a new face for the role and, um, and they spent time in the green room, uh, you know, in the wardrobe and makeup, just kind of running lines, talking to each other. Yeah, and um, ultimately, do you have regrets about not going to Harvard? 
Well, it's funny. Harvard is actually a stand-in. It was a different uh, kind of Ivy League, uh, but it was, um, you know, it was kind of one of those things where, again, as a writer, when you're putting things together, it's it's easier to go with something that people are everybody's going to recognize as a as a kind of a, a metaphor. Um, but I, I don't, uh, I mean, I ended up going to Oberlin, which was exactly what I needed and wanted. And uh, it, it's funny, my son is now looking at Oberlin for himself, which is, I find hilarious. <laughs> and- uh, Following in mom's footsteps. Well, yeah. yeah, well, it's one of those things where those, <laughs> we try to de-emphasize that because, you know, he wants to be his own person. And so I have never pushed anything, especially, you know, having had the experience growing up that I did where there was, you know, this college kind of constantly uh, hammered um, in my mind. And so I, I don't have any regrets for not going in that uh, direction. But when I was applying to graduate school for film, uh, my dad, was like, well, what's the, what's the number one film school, you know? And I was like, well, it kind of toggles. He was still West pushing that. NYU. But yeah, he was still pushing it. And he was like, well, he was like, are you applying to them? And I was like, well, I'm not applying to USC because I don't think I have a chance of getting in. And I was like, I am applying to NYU, but I also, because of kind of what I had heard about their approach, I was like, I don't think I have the portfolio for it because I, I hadn't been doing film, uh, you know, making my own films. I had been kind of working in film, but, uh, and, but yeah, he was still pushing this kind of very business, you know, education oriented traditional mantra of, you know, you go for the best, you know, as often as you can, as hard as you can every single time and, and I had grown up with, with that mentality. Um, you know, I often joke that, you know, when I, when I play cards, we used to play hearts a lot when I was little and I would shoot, I would go for shooting the moon every single time. It was my only strategy was, you know, <laughs> you shoot the moon because you go big or you go home. And I've learned to let go of that, you know, over the years, but I, I am grateful for that question for graduate school because he did, you know, I kind of let myself be open to this possibility of, well, okay, well, it's just a submission fee. I can afford it. I can do it. Let me just apply to USC and, and not close the door myself, you know, prematurely. And, um, and that ended up being the only school in the States that I got into for film, you know, well, that's interesting. And so it was, it, you know, it just totally changed my life you know, so, uh, you know, you just never know. And as a parent, it's always kind of frustrating. Like, how much do you push? How much not, you know, like. <laughs> well, you know, you certainly chose the right path. Um, so what's your next project? I'm so looking forward to it, to that, seeing that. Yeah, well, it's also a true story based in the 90s, funnily <laughs> enough. Um, and, You're going to do like a trilogy, I think. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but it's about a woman in her 40s who is a single mom, and she owns uh, an auto body shop, and it's called Martha's Mustang. And Oh, I love the, that name. Yeah, it, well, it's about this Mustang that she refurbishes and, plant, uh, and uh, paints hot pink 
and plants wildflowers in it and sticks it under her sign because her auto body shop is kind of struggling. It's a bit set away from the road, so it's hard to see. And so she plants this kind of eye-catching uh, Mustang under her sign. And within a day, city officials are there uh, telling her to tow the junk car off her property uh, because of this new junk car ordinance, which is an ordinance that's only enforced when people complain. And so somebody's kind of out to get Martha. So it's about Martha and her struggle and her fight with City Hall. It's about, you know, finding love again in your 40s. It's a really wonderful piece. And we got a quarterfinalist placement in the Nickel Fellowship last year. And we just uh, got a grant from Houston, from the Houston Arts Alliance, to put on a table read workshop of the script in its uh, latest development, which we are going to do as part of the Houston Cinema Arts Festival events coming up in November. So we're workshopping this script. And uh, so I'm in the process of casting it. And then hopefully we'll be able to get it to a place where we can finance it and shoot it. So Cool. Yeah. Wow. I'd love to see that. So, so tell everybody now where they can find Asset Test. Yeah, so Acid Test is out on digital platforms to rent on iTunes, Amazon, Vudu, Google Play, and cable, and uh, and all that. You can uh, find the links and the logos uh, on acidtestfilm.com or on our social media. And uh, yeah, please watch it, rate it, share it with everybody. This is really just a, la a labor of love, and uh, for both you know Riot Girl music and. Uh, you know, the coming of age stories that uh, we all live through to a certain Yes, extent. yes. Thank you, Jenny Walters, so much for joining me. And thank you, Robin. Best of luck on your next project. Come back and see. I will. I will. Thank you so much. Okay. Take good care. All right. You too. Bye bye. bye. That's enough of this. Always news. Always refreshing. Always candid. Always billing about. Robin Milling delivers what celebrities are saying to you. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 